The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday morning, 9.45 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Hey, good morning. My name is Roby. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are kicking off our Rescue 119 series. I can't tell you how excited I am. You guys excited? Anyone in here excited? All right, awesome. Can't wait to kick this off, and I want to share a little bit more about Kevin's story in a few minutes. We're going to discuss that a little bit more a little bit later. Um, but before we get into part one of our new series, Rescue 119, where we're going to be talking about vision for what God's vision is for our church for the next several years, um, we're going to kick that off this morning. It's a great Sunday for you to be here. But before we do that, I want to go over and tell you a little bit about this, this uh, booklet. So can you just pull out this booklet that you got when you came in? This is, uh, we're going to do a little orientation here, a little Rescue 119 orientation. Let me tell you what you'll find inside this booklet. You will find the notes for all five parts of the series. There are places for you to write things in, blank lines for you to write down notes. There's fill in the blanks. There's the scriptures for all five parts of this series. You'll see some quotes and some things like that. What you'll also see inside this, this booklet is in between each part, there is a series of devotionals for every morning. So there's a devotional that's it's short, not a long thing. It's a scripture, uh, a quick summary of that passage, and then three questions. So it's very basic. Even if you've never read the Bible on your own before, it's something very easy that you could uh, jump in and uh, take a look at. So um, here's how you can get the most out of this Series. If you go ahead and turn to pages one and two of the booklet, just that front cover there, just uh, one and two, and look at page two. It says, here's how you can get the absolute most out of this series, and there's four ways that we want to challenge you this morning. Four ways we want to challenge you. It may seem a little bit obvious, but I want to go ahead and state them out. This is how you can get the most out of this series. The first thing is be here each Sunday. There are four Sundays in this series. Um, and so the first challenge would be be here each Sunday. Each of the themes build on each other. This morning we're going to be laying the foundation for what we're going to be talking about, and then they build on each other for the, next, um, for the next three weeks after this week. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is be here for the midweek town hall meeting. You heard a little bit about that from Dan and Melissa. That is part five. Part five is actually not on a Sunday. It's on a, it's on a Tuesday or a Thursday. We're offering it two different nights. And so that's part five. So be here that at that uh, midweek town hall meeting. And then the third thing is, the challenge is just to use this booklet. The best way you can get uh, the most out of this series is to use this booklet. This is something that you can write in notes. You can underline things. You can fill in the blanks. Um, it, there's a digital version available if that's easier for you. Um, the challenge is to use this and write in things. So that might be, the, the hard copy might be the best option you, but use this booklet. Use those devotionals in there this week. You, maybe some of you said, okay, in 2015, I'm going to spend more time reading the Bible or I'm going to get closer to God. What better way than just a simple devotional that you can do each morning 
Um, and there are things that we're going to be talking about uh, in your community groups. We're going to be talking about those devotionals. And, and um, that brings us to the fourth thing. The fourth way you can get the absolute most out of this series is to jump into a community group because each week we're going to be talking about this in our group and even talking a little bit about those devotionals. So great time for you to jump into one of our community groups. So those are the challenges for this series. You're going to want to bring this booklet back with you each week. So there's a place in there um, on page three where you can write in your name. Um, But the challenge is to bring this booklet back with you each week. So we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. I'm really, really excited to jump into part one. So let me pray and we will jump right in. Lord, we want to start on this note with you this morning. Lord, we are your people. This is your church. And any goal or vision that we have, it has to come from you. And so, Lord, what we want starting this morning is to see and hear and feel and taste the vision that you have for us as a church, what you're wanting us to become and what you've been in the process of making us into. So, Lord, I ask that you would do a great work through this series, and I pray that you would start this morning. Jesus, I ask that your church would leap, your truth would leap off the pages for us as a church. Lord, we trust you, and we look for you to move in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was young, I was given a gift that was very significant to me. I was given a football, but it wasn't just any football. It wasn't just a Nerf football or a small little rubber football. This was an official NFL game day football. And I remember holding it in my hands and realizing, man, this was, when this was made, I mean, if it wasn't in my hands, it might as well be on some in some NFL stadium right now. I mean, it was the real thing. It was leather, and had the, it looked exactly like the ones that they used on TV. And this was very significant to me because at, at, when I was young, I already knew my destiny. I already knew that I would become a wide receiver in the NFL. You may be as surprised as I am that that didn't happen. That was, I was going to be the next Mark Duper. That was my, that was my, my plan, my journey. And so this football was a very, very significant to me. And I remember when I got it, it was just, it was pristine. It even had like, a, a, it just seemed like it had even a shine to it. I mean, the leather was perfect. And I, I was torn because part of me wanted to just put it on the shelf and never get it messed up, never get it scuffed up. I just wanted to put it on the shelf. And, and that's what I did originally because it was just like, okay, this is kind of a collector. This is an official NFL game ball. And so I put it on the shelf, but it was calling to me. And I remember that I was just wrestling because I wanted to keep it in perfect condition, but it started calling to me. It was just begging for me to take it out for a test drive. And so week after week, I'd look at it and say, no, I've got to keep it in perfect condition. And finally, I gave in. I got a bunch of my friends together. We went out into the front yard, and we started playing football out on the street out there in, in front of our house. And I can still literally to this day remember the first moment it hit the asphalt. 
I remember the kid dropped it. We're like, okay, you're, you're done. Get out of here. You're not playing anymore. Okay, I remember. I remember seeing, picking it up and looking at that scuff and knew at that point, okay, this is no longer a collector's item. This is going to be the football that we play with. And I don't know, maybe you've had a gift like that where you got something and it was just so significant to you that you said, okay, I might just leave this one in the case. Or maybe it was just so nice, like, I'm afraid to wear it. I'm going to stain it, or I'm going to scuff it, or something. Or I'm just going to wear it only on special occasions. I don't. Or maybe, you know, I mean, think about someone who's got like a, a car that's like a collector's edition, and it just it sits in the garage. You can't drive something like that. I mean, think about it. Maybe you've gotten a gift before that you're just like, man, I'm afraid to even use it. But there's a tension because it's kind of calling to you. I wonder... The greatest gift that every human being has been given. I wonder if we feel that same tension. It's our lives. And we feel this tension, this pull, because on one hand, on one hand, we want to just kind of protect it, preserve it, keep it in a nice, neat, predictable case. Nothing bad can happen to it. We've got this, this plan. It's, everything's all secure. Everything's according to plan. And we want to just kind of hedge it in nice and safely. But I wonder if deep down there's this, you feel this urge, this calling. I, I want to start this morning with this, this hypothesis, this proposition. That every single one of us longs deep down to spend our life or something worthy. Every single person, I believe, deep down, and maybe for some it's, it, it, that thought comes around more often than others, but I think everyone deep down, we feel like, okay, this life was not meant to just sit safely on the shelf. I wonder if every one of us deep down, there's this longing, there's this craving. It's like we realize that we were wired that life was not meant to just sit in a garage. It was meant to be taken out for a spin. I wonder if deep down there's this longing, this, this yearning to spend our life, to use it on something, a cause, a goal, a movement that's worthy of our lives. It's like that phrase. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, or die trying. It's that phrase, you have some goal, you have some effort that you hold out, and you say, I'm going to go after this or die trying. I think deep down some of the stories that are the most inspiring, the movies we most want to watch, the books we most love to read, are stories where we see someone who's found that cause, that movement, that goal, that they say, I'm going after this or I'm going to die trying. And with all the busyness of life, I think sometimes there's a quiet moment where we feel that longing inside of our hearts. Jesus speaks to this very, very profoundly, and we're going to look at it this morning. It is in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. You can turn in your booklets to the very first sermon guide, week one, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. You can read it right out of your booklet, or it's also going to be up here on the screens. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Let's look and see what Jesus said. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his mathetes that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things 
from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay, now I want you to just stop with me on this word mathetes. Now here's what we did. As we put this passage inside the booklet, we took out the word that's usually translated from that Greek word into English. We took out the English word and we left in there the original Greek word mathetes. And I want us to get to know this Greek word mathetes. There's a pronunciation guide right there in your booklet. Mathetes. Let's say it together. Mathetes. That's pretty good. Let's try it again. Mathetes. Okay. We took out the English word and we left that word mathetes. Now here's what this word mathetes means. At this time in Jesus' ministry, there were huge crowds that followed Jesus. Huge crowds. It's pretty well known. He was this crazy rabbi that stumped all the religious leaders and allegedly was doing miracles. So he was drawing a huge crowd. But within that crowd, there was a smaller group that he referred to as his mathetes. Now, this isn't a word that Jesus made up. It's a pretty common word in that day. If you were a rabbi or a teacher, or a philosopher at that time, you would have mathetes. It'd be a group of people that followed around, followed you around in different places that you go. The concept here is kind of like a follower, but it's not really, it's hard to find a modern day English equivalent to what this concept is. Because it's not a follower in the sense of like a Twitter follower. Okay, a Twitter follower, if you're the Twitter follower of someone, you're just kind of like to read their posts, or you keep you keep tabs on someone. It's far more than that. You followed this person around probably every day and you listened and heard their teaching. But if you were the mathetes of someone, they were more than just a teacher. They weren't just a teacher. It was actually more than a coach, more than a mentor. If you were the mathetes of someone, you were saying, I want to be you. I want to be like you. So it's a little bit more intense than like, there's not really a direct relationship that we have a correlation to in, in our modern day context. So let's use this word mathetes. Jesus pulls his, this group, this group that he called, this mathetes group, this group he called mathetes, he pulled them together, and I want you to notice what he said to them. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders priests, scribes, the the religious leaders of the day, they're going to cause me to suffer a lot of things, and then I'm going to die, and then on the third day, I'm going to rise again from the dead. Now, I want you to notice, isn't this interesting? He told them everything that was about to happen. All of that happened. He tells them, I mean, it's pretty kind of shockingly explicit what he tells them before it all happens. He pulls this, this select group, this mathetes aside, and he gives them a window ahead of time of what's about to happen. Now look at their response. It's interesting. Look at verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. Look at what he says. This shall never happen to you. Okay. In this group of mathetes, you've got some pretty familiar figures. You've got people like uh, Peter, sometimes known as Apostle Peter, sometimes called St. Peter. You've got uh, John, James, Andrew. Some of these familiar people were in this select group of mathetes. And if you know anything about Peter, you know pretty much every time he opens his mouth, he gets into trouble. Some of you are like, that's kind of like me, actually, every time I open my mouth. Every time he opens his mouth, he gets into trouble, okay? That's almost 
true every time except one instance. And it happened about five minutes before this verse that we just read. If you look at the preceding verses immediately before this, this is what happened. Jesus pulls this group of mathetes together, pulls them together. He says, all right, I want to know, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're like Elijah, some say prophet, some say rabbi. He says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up first. Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God. You're the Messiah, and you are actually the Son of the living God. Gets it right. And this is what Jesus says. Wow, Peter. Actually, at this point, he was called Simon. Simon was this given name. He said, Simon, you are so on target. That's so true that actually God had to put that in your mind. He said, that's so true, Simon, that that is actually the foundation that the entire church will be built on. That is the rock on which I am building, that I am the Messiah, the Son of God. In fact, Simon, that's so true. I'm no longer going to call you Simon. Since God gave you those words, I'm no longer going to call you Simon. You're going to be called Rock, which the word that he used was Peter. I'm going to go around calling you Rock because you spoke those words that are the foundation of the church. So Peter is feeling pretty good. He's like, I never did it that well before. That was pretty good. I was getting in trouble. Okay, he does it pretty good. Five minutes later, Jesus says, I want you guys to know, here's what's going to happen. Yes, you're right. The Messiah, the Son of God, I'm going to suffer at the hands of religious leaders. I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And Peter says, all right, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, I need to talk to you for a second. Could you come over here, Jesus? It's me, Rock. Actually, I prefer the Rock. Actually, I think that's better. Uh, Jesus, I think you remember me. I'm the one that hears things directly from God. You remember how that happened? All right, Jesus, enough of this dying business, okay? I mean, it's just a total buzzkill around here when you talk about dying. All right, that, that's just never going to happen, you dying and suffering. Never going to happen. Peter rebukes Jesus, pulls him over to the side. Let's see what Jesus says. Verse 23, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Poor Peter. Poor Peter. Wouldn't you just, in kind of a perverse way, want to be there and just see what Peter's reaction was? I'm just going to stand over here a little bit, you know. Speaking of rock, I'm going to find one to crawl under over here. I'd like to just get away from here, okay? Jesus rebukes him in the strongest possible way. He calls him Satan. The strongest possible way. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not like God would have you think. All right, now why does Jesus just unload on poor Peter? Jeez, Jesus, that's a little tough for you to speak so harshly to Peter like that. I mean, what's the thing? Okay, here's what Peter missed. Got it right. He's the son of God He is the Messiah. But he just said to Jesus, there's no way, it will never happen. You're not going to suffer and die. Jesus wasn't mad that Peter, as mad that Peter contradicted him. He was saying, Peter, you missed everything. If you don't understand this concept, you've missed everything. 
The fact that Jesus came as the Son of God to earth to suffer, die, and rise again from the dead, that's everything. Everything else about Jesus' details, that's the whole thing, that he suffered and died to, to take away the sins of humanity. That's the whole point. Nothing else compares to that truth. And Peter's like, that'll never happen. He missed the whole thing. All right, I want you to imagine that you had the incredible privilege to sit down for coffee with Neil Armstrong. So you have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with Neil Armstrong. So you say, okay, I'm going to do a little research before I go. I'm not just going to walk in this out knowing anything. I mean, I've got to take advantage of sitting down with Neil Armstrong. I want to have the right questions and just, you know, I'll tell stories to my grandkids about this. So you, you go and you do some Internet research, and then you, you sit down. The moment comes, the day comes, you know, you, you, you're there, and you're sitting down. You're at Starbucks with Neil Armstrong. And you say, all right, I, I've just got some burning questions. I'm, I'm sure you hear these questions all the time, but i just got to know some things. I hear you went to Purdue University. Why not University of, like, Nebraska? I mean, why Purdue? Now, you know, I read on Wikipedia, Mr. Armstrong, that um, you played the baritone in the band at Purdue. You were in the marching band. Now, the baritone, that's like the mini tuba, right? I mean, why, the, why not the trombone? Okay, would you ever ask him those questions? That's ludicrous. The man walked on the moon, that's all that matters in that conversation. Okay, for thousands of years, human beings look at this golden sphere up in the sky, and we all looked at it for thousands of years saying, wow, look at that. And then one day, a dude walked on it. You're sitting with that man. Do you care about the baritone? You care about one thing. You're like, okay, why did you get the first steps? You know, why not Buzz Aldrin? Was that like a wicked game of paper, rock, scissor? Okay, I'm like, what happened? I mean, there's some serious questions you've got for this guy. Everything else is details. When you're, when you're talking about Jesus, just one thing pretty much that matters, he came down to suffer and die to take away the sins of humanity. It's his death that matters. His resurrection that matters. Everything else is details. So the fact that Peter missed that, he had to draw that out. All right, now I want you to see what Jesus says next. Because what Jesus says, and I'm not exaggerating this at all, what Jesus says next should literally rearrange our entire lives. Okay, look at this. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his mathetes. Now what's that first word there? What is it right there, the first one? If, then Jesus told his mathetes, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We ran into that word mathetes again. You're going to be quizzed on this in your community groups, okay? So I want you to look to the person next to you and say mathetes. Okay, now turn to another person and say, you speak Greek, you sound so intelligent, and you're good looking. Last part's optional. Okay, you don't need to add that. Okay. It says, he t- looks to his mathetes. He looks to this select group, and he says to his mathetes, if, if you would come after me, it says two things. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. If, 
Looks at his mathetes. If you're wanting to be a mathetes, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Okay, remember, he's looking at that group of people that say, Jesus, we want to be like you. He says, okay, if you want to be like me, this is what it looks like. He says, you, you established that, you said, okay, you guys said I was the son of God, the Messiah, you were right, but did, did you get why I'm here? Did you get the most important part about me? I came down to earth. I didn't stay in comfortable, safe heaven with all its glory. No, I came down to earth, and I didn't come down and beat my chest and say, I am the son of God. Build me a palace. Put me on a throne. So no, I denied myself. I denied what I might have deserved. I came down to serve. I came down to heal and to help and to serve. I poured out my life for, out of love for the people around me. I poured it out. I was rejected and mocked, and I'm going to suffer and die. And he says, okay, so are you wanting to be like me? Are you wanting to be a mathetes? Then understand, you're asking to be like the most principal part of me, denying yourself and then taking up your cross. Like I'm about to do, Jesus is saying, like I'm about to do, I'm going to take whatever suffering and sacrifice God sends my way, I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to be obedient for God. He says, okay, just know what you're getting yourself into. He says, Mathetes, if you're wanting to follow after me, you're, gonna, you're radically rearranging your life. You're saying, I'm no longer going to live for me with, with kind of dabbling and following with Jesus on the side. Jesus is not a slice of my life. He's saying, if you're wanting to follow me, he's saying, you're going to deny yourself. Say, it's not about me. It's not about my goals. It's not about my stuff, my accomplishments. It's not about me. I'm denying myself and saying, it is all about you, Jesus. It's all about following in your footsteps and serving the world around me saying, deny myself, and then you're going to take up your cross. You're going to say, I'm going to look in the eye whatever suffering or sacrifice or anything God sends my way, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to follow after you. It's basically like if someone was to say, I want to be like Neil Armstrong. They're probably not saying, I'd love to play the baritone in the marching band. They're saying, I want to be an astronaut that makes history. If someone's saying, I want to be like Jesus, they're not simply saying then, I'm going to just do my thing and try and follow some of the rules Jesus set. What Jesus is saying is, look, I'm here to pour out my life to save this world. I'm here to give up and expend this life to save this world. If you'd like to follow me, come on and join me. He's looking at this mathetes, and that's what he's saying. I say, okay, wait a minute. That sounds, I mean, pretty extreme. I mean, he's telling them that they give up their entire life. They deny themselves. It's not about their life. It's about following Jesus and, and his footsteps of serving the world. That is just pretty radical. Here's how Jesus is defining a mathetes. Here's your first, your first blank inside your booklet. Pull out your booklet. The first blank is this. A mathetes, here's what Jesus is saying. A mathetes is an all-or-nothing situation. It's an all-or-nothing situation. Jesus is saying, if you're gonna, he looks at his mathetes, if you're going to follow me, then you're going to follow after the most obvious part of my life. You're going to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Man, this just sounds so extreme. I mean, who were these mathetes anyway? 
I mean, these mathetes, they're like the, the crazies that follow Jesus. I mean, they're like totally all in. Who are these mathetes? Well, let me tell you how we typically translate the word mathetes into English. This is the second blank in your notes. You know the way we usually translate mathetes into English? It's disciple. You know, we wanted to take out the English word. Because when some, some of us, when we hear the word disciple or discipleship, it's so worn out and trampled on and beaten up, we think about a book we're supposed to read. Or a Sunday school class. Or a Starbucks latte with a mentor or something. And those aren't bad. But let's just kind of strip away all of our preconceived ideas of this idea of disciple. and Let's just... Let's use that original word, mathetes, so we can pour in what Jesus' meaning is. Because what Jesus was saying, if you want to be my mathetes, if you're saying, I want to be like you, then you're saying you want to be like the most obvious part of me, that I gave up my life for this world. And if you're wanting to follow me, then come on and join me. That's what he's calling us to do. Man, that just sounds just, so extreme. I mean, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Does Jesus talk like this all the time? Well, actually, if you looked on the next page, on page uh, the next page in your booklet, if you looked at that very next page, you'd notice this Luke passage. And I'm not going to read the whole thing this morning. In fact, that's just, we're going to break this passage down in the devotionals this week. But I want you to, I want you to, as you read this this week in your in the devotionals, you're going to see he speaks in such extreme terms. I want you to just look at that last verse of Matthew of Luke 14. Look at the bottom of that paragraph, verse 33. Look what Jesus says. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is talking in the most extreme terms possible. He's saying, basically, take everything you've got, every breath that you breathe, every pulse of your heart, every scent that you own, every relationship, every moment that you're awake, and you say, I renounce it. I give it all to you. It's no longer mine. It's all yours, Jesus. And he's saying, if you want to be my mathetes, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, that's what it looks like. In fact, he says here, you cannot be my disciple unless you do that. So, man, I don't know, man. That just still seems so extreme. Um, here's, here's what one guy said, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor. I want you to look at that first quote. He was a German pastor in the early 20th century, and this is what he wrote. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and here's what he said in that book. When Christ calls a man, he bids him, Come and die. You know what's interesting about that verse is about that quote. He wrote that in that book, and about eight years later, as a pastor in Germany, the Nazi regime executed him for standing unwavering for the for the truth of the gospel. What Jesus is saying is being a mathetes is an all-or-nothing situation. Man, that's just so extreme, it's so hard to swallow. But look what he says next, verse 25. And 26, look what he says. For whoever, this is back in in, um, Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know, here's what I wonder if, if Jesus is saying this. 
you know deep down in your heart you're longing for something to pour your life out for. He's saying those who try and save your life, you'll lose it. Man, if my life is all about, okay, I've got to keep things comfortable and safe and secure and I've got all my plans and I've got all my contingency plans and I've got my whole plan and it's mine and I've set it up so that I can be comfortable and set it around and it's like the harder we hold on to it, it's like the more it slips through our fingers or the more we try and put it on the shelf and say, let's leave life in a pristine, safe situation in a nice glass box, Jesus is saying it's a waste. He's saying, and you know it deep down, you know that you're longing to pour yourself out, to spend this life for something worthy. He's saying, man, if we try and preserve and save our lives, it's, it, we, we lose it, but when we say, God, Jesus, it's yours, God, it's for you, and I spend it out, then we find life. In fact, we find eternity on the other side when we follow Jesus. We spend this life because we get eternity. Jesus, it's like Jesus is saying, you know what's in your heart is we all long for an or die trying moment. It's like what Jim Elliott said. This quote in, in your booklet. Jim Elliott was a missionary, and before he went on the mission field, he wrote this in his journal. This isn't in a book or a sermon. It's just in his own journal. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which you cannot lose. He said, it's actually kind of smart when you think about it. You can't hold on to this life. So spend it for Jesus because you're going to gain something that you can never lose, eternity. What's interesting is that Jesus, uh, what's interesting is that Jim Elliot wrote this down and seven years later, he was on the mission, mission field in Ecuador. He was in college. He couldn't take it any longer. He couldn't take that there were tribes in Ecuador that had never heard about Jesus. So he takes his young wife and his friends, and they all go down there, and they start trying to reach out to this tribe and share the gospel, and the tribe misunderstood, and they killed him about seven years after he wrote this. They killed several, several, several of his friends. And the rest of his friends and their widows stayed behind and continued sharing the gospel with that tribe that had just killed their husbands and friends. And the entire tribe came to know Jesus and started sharing the gospel with the surrounding tribes. See what Jim Elliott and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who both died so young, you know what they knew? I can spend this because I can't hold on to it anyway. Because I know what's coming, it's eternity. And I, I just... Sounds so extreme what you're saying. I mean, what, what about just run-of-the-mill Christian, Christians? What's just like regular Christianity look like? I mean, I, I know that you're kind of talking about like these martyr-caliber elite Christians, super-Christians that come along, you know, a couple of every generation. I mean, just what about like regular old, regular Joe Christians? Here's what Jesus is saying. Regular Christians are people who realize it's an all-or-nothing situation. There's no such thing as a run-of-the-mill Christian that's not a martyr-caliber Christian. Regular Christian is the one that says, that here's Jesus say, I'm going to give up my life to save this world. Do you want to join me? And the regular Christian says, yes, Jesus, I'm following after you. I'm pouring out my life for you. Remember what it says in the last words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the last words before he went to heaven was this. He said, go therefore and make Mathetes of all nations. He sent his Mathetes and said, here's what I'm leaving you to do. Go make more Mathetes. Now some of you may be here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I gotta be honest, I, 
I hear what you're saying and I'm inspired, but man, where I'm at is I'm trying to survive. I mean, making it through the day right now for me is success. I, I know it's all rah-rah and storm the gates of hell and I hear what you're saying, but man, I'm just trying to make it right now. And here's what Jesus says to you. Do you remember what he said? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What is he saying? He's saying maybe the reason you feel so ripped apart is because you're trying to serve Jesus and at the same time build your life. And he's saying stop trying to build your own life. He's saying follow me. I'll build your life. There's an old hymn that said very simply, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. There's only one way to do it. It's an all-or-nothing situation. Church, this morning, we're laying down the foundation of who we believe God is making us into. We're talking vision in this series, and, and we're laying down the foundation of what that looks like. And, you know, when it comes to church vision, sometimes the, the temptation is to make it about a, a beautiful building. And that's not bad. And, and those are important. Those are strategic at times. But if those are details. Sometimes the temptation is to make vision about number of bodies or budget. Again, those are strategic measurements, and those aren't bad, but those are details. When it comes right down to it, there's one call of Jesus. It's not brand new. It's actually ancient and original. Jesus looked at his followers and says, okay, followers, mathetes, go make mathetes. Church, that's the call we want to answer. When it all boils down, what we ultimately care about is are we making people, are we becoming people and making more people who say, I realize this is an all or nothing situation. It means in a kid's ministry. It's not just simply about let's get the right games and the right snacks and throw in a little moral principle so that the kids still want to come back, but we're giving them some, some morality. It's not about that great if they want to come back and we want them to have fun. In the process, we are called to make mathetes that they are so rocked and awestruck by how much Jesus loves them that they, even as young children, have such a fiery love for Jesus. In our student ministry, it's not merely, okay, l- let's try and teach them good character and make sure they don't get in trouble and let's surround them with other Christian students so they don't get themselves into trouble. Those things are fine and those things are good, but what we're called to do is to make mathetes so that there are students that are saying, uh, sign me up for that adventure that says, I am about one thing, following Jesus. It's all or nothing. The rest of my life is focused on that. Church, it's the ministries and the programs we have here. It's not about our preferences. It's not about, okay, well, this group wants to do this, and this group wants to do this, and it'd be nice if we could do this, and and this group, it would be cool if we could do that, because our goal, we're not here to create comfortable Christians. We're here to make mathetes at all costs. Our success is at the end of the day, did we become people who are all in saying this is an all-or-nothing situation and strive to make more mathetes? Will we become a church that Jesus says, I came here to suffer and die for the world. And if you're in, follow after me. Or will we become a church that says, Jesus, we're right behind you. I want you to imagine just for a second what it would look like for a church to say, Jesus, 
we're all in. It's all or no, we know it's, a, it's all or nothing. We're following after you. What could he possibly do in our midst and through us? Over the next couple of weeks, we're, we're laying this foundation of what we're called to do. We're called to make mathetase. That is our vision. That's the call of Jesus. It couldn't be anything else because Jesus left and said, go make mathetase. That's our calling as a church. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about there's three main attributes of a mathetase, and we're going to talk about these in the next couple of weeks. A mathetase is rescued, is awestruck, and is mobilized. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, okay, man, I, what does this actually look like, though, to be a mathetase? Are you saying that we all have to sell all our stuff and go on the mission field to some random country? Well, maybe that's some of us. But it doesn't have to be that complicated. It's simply saying, right now, in the place in life that you've placed me, Jesus, I'm all in. You show me where you want me to go. I want you to see this morning one example, one story, of how God has been creating a mathetase in our midst. What does it look like when someone says, I, I'm going to strive to become a mathetase? I just want you to see one story. It's a story, uh, it's Kevin's story, and I want you to check out this video. The one thing, to be honest, that made me finally decide to, to check out this Waffle Wednesday that, that everyone was talking about was the fact that everyone was talking about it consistently. A couple weeks after that, I finally asked. I was like, you know what? Let me go check it out. And that's when I came. Put some ping pong. Got some free waffles. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a pretty cool place. They had the music playing. I was like, why, why, why wasn't I coming here before? I left, whatever. I didn't know it was a church. I didn't know it was a, it was a student ministry at all. I just thought it was some cool place that had free waffles. And this is where the kids went on Wednesdays. Then I got invited to church. And then I put two and two together and said, oh, I was, I was in a church i had no idea so what was cool is right after i started going to church i went to um, student ministry on wednesday night unfortunately it was like the last night for seniors so i was like what's going on but the cool news was that there's a community group for young adults who had just graduated um, high school and so i started going to that i did not know for sure that if i gave my life to christ that everything was gonna be better i didn't know I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way. And it was, it was a step of faith, definitely. At the time, I didn't know what the, what the, the resolution was going to be, but I know it, I, was, I was willing to take the risk. And going every Sunday, going every Wednesday, Thursday night, whenever we had service for the youth, I, I began to learn. I began to see, okay, what does the relationship with others look like? But more importantly, what is, it, what is the relationship with him? student ministry, for the kids of student ministry, just to be able to be a positive influence, to let them know that, hey, what we're preaching about, what we're teaching, it's real. I know you hear it from, from, from the pastors and all this, but just know it's real. And there are going to be times where you doubt, there are going to be times where you you think you, you know, you've lost contact, but I wanted to be there to let them know that, hey, we're here for you, and, and we, we, we care for, for your soul. So in being a follower of Christ, the way it changed my, I guess my, the trajectory of my life was pretty cool. I, I always had a passion for music. Um, right after high school, instead of going to a traditional college, I actually went to what we would 
call it trade school. It was an engineering school for audio, basically. And going in, my intentions were to you know, be at the top of my class, make sure I graduate with a high GPA so that I can do either post-production for Disney or I can produce my own music. I can do this, me, 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 all this stuff. And then coming to know Christ, that kind of shifted. And today, I am one of the engineers at Vanquish Studios, which is a ministry-based studio. This past Christmas Eve service, my dad uh, gave his life over to Christ. And it was a remarkable day. I remember, like, as soon as Roby did uh, announce the altar call, it's like, oh, you know, if you want to take that step today, take a bell, come over here, I'll, I'll pray, well, you know, I'll pray over you, and as soon as you come over, we're gonna apply. And I'm like, oh man, this is great, I can't wait for it. Never, not for one second did I think, oh, my dad's on my right. And we're sitting like in the aisle, so he's everyone can see him. And so as soon as he said that, he's like, oh, okay, whenever you're ready, music started playing. Maybe three seconds after, my dad does one of these, he just walks right up, and as soon as he walks up, I'm like, <laughs> it was great, it was great. But yeah, he took a step of faith and, and I was there to witness it that was a that was a, that was a great you know, was a great moment in my life ultimately it led to Christ saving yet another life I almost want to say if you're sitting in your seat right now and you have any ounce of curiosity as to what it is you're hearing today in these videos I would suggest that you take that step of faith and begin your journey because it is the most rewarding thing you will ever do in your life. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> That's just one story of what it looks like. It's basically saying, look, I don't know, I don't know all the details of what's going to happen in my life, but Jesus, all right, let's do this. It's all yours. And watch what he does. Watch what he does in every sector of my life as I start to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow after you. Church, that's what we want to become. We want to be able to just look back and say, wow, look what you did, God. All we simply said, here we are. We want to follow after you, Jesus. We'll pour ourselves out for a world that you love. Here we are, and we want to watch what God does through us in this city, in this community. We're going to sing, we're, church, we're going to close in a, with a song in just a moment. But before we do, we can't close the service without giving you an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you say, look, I, I've been kind of dabbling and, and playing with this following Jesus thing, but I'm ready. I, I'm ready to become a Mathetes, a follower today. I'm ready to say, look, I'm all in. It, it's all for you, Jesus. And maybe you're ready to say that this morning. You just want to take that step. You may say, look, I'm not sure I can do it. It doesn't matter. Just take that step and let Jesus come in and work in your life. If that's you, I just the best way to start that off is just with a short prayer. Just begin that journey. So if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, then just simply pray this prayer in your heart. Maybe you're saying, I, I want to follow you. I want to be a mathetase this morning. Then just simply pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming down from heaven, down to earth being willing to suffer and die to wash away my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the dead, finishing paying for my sins. Thank you for having heaven for me when I die.
I don't know how to do it, but I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you'd like to speak with someone about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.